Thanks for tuning in to Next Level Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at nextlevelchurch.net. Good morning to you. Today we are kicking off a brand new series entitled The Tension is Good. And uh, around this time every year, people talk about New Year's resolutions. I honestly don't know very many people that create New Year's resolutions. Um, And those that do, they tend to break those New Year's resolutions. And I don't know anyone who has made a New Year's resolution and has kept it for the entire year. But every year when we get to this point, even if we know, even if we're realistic and we say, hey, I'm not going to make any New Year's resolutions, the thought of change is on our mind. A new year brings this idea of like, hey, there's some things I would like to improve. I'd like to make some things better than they were last year. And so there are some things that maybe you haven't set a, a New Year's resolution. Maybe you haven't set a goal, but they're on your mind. Some things that you would like to potentially change. Maybe you can relate to some of these things, things like like weight loss. Uh, weight loss is something that uh, I, I struggle to be consistent with. Last year, I set a goal to work out uh, five days a week, every single uh, week. And uh, I'm really proud of myself that I kept that goal. Um, and, and I was able to, yeah, someone clap for that. You can clap for that. That's... <laughs> Uh, not only did I keep it, I got up at 5 a.m. every day, five days a week to work out. But what I learned is that you cannot out-exercise a bad diet. And so I weigh the exact same amount today than I did last year. And so this year, I'm adding to uh, the, the workout routine. I'm trying to be more disciplined with, with, with what I eat. Maybe you can relate to that. Uh, financial goals. That's something that's on a lot of, of our minds. Some of you um, are really, really good at spending money. Your problem is not that you don't make enough, it's that you spend more than you make. And even if you get a raise, you'll end up spending that amount of money. And so some of you, the the goal for you is to always, like, I I know I need to get a budget, I know I need to be more disciplined, and it's just something that is very difficult for you to do. What about relationship goals? Like, I hope those are things that you think about. Like, we should be improving in our relationships, and maybe there's something in your life that you say, man, I wish I was closer with them, I wish I could mend that relationship, I wish I could fix that. I'm so tired of causing the drama in the relationships, and I wish I could fix that. And maybe you have some ideas and some thoughts, and you're hoping that you'll be able to make some relational changes. What about spiritual goals? Um, I don't hear a lot of people talk about this, but I think it is important, if you're a Christian, to set some spiritual goals. To be thinking about, okay, this is where I was last year. What can I add to my faith? What can I, I add to what I do to continue to experience the love and the grace of, of, of God. And so if you're someone who struggles with things like maybe being consistent uh, with reading the scriptures, we provided a Bible plan for you. And Pastor Eric told you about that last week. You can scan the QR code or you can go to guest services and they have a physical copy of it and just start it. You can catch right up and, and just start reading every single day. It's incredibly important to read. If you struggle to pray, maybe that's something that you want to add to your schedule. And so here's what I recommend. I recommend setting up some specific times where you know you're going to pray every day. So you develop the habit of it. Uh, for me, those times are meal times and uh, before I get out of bed and before I go to sleep. Those are the times that I, I, I pray. So if I get busy with my day and I don't pray throughout the whole rest of the day, I at least know I've had some check-in times at meal times at, when I wake up. And, and, and bedtime. So maybe those are, are some of, some of your, your, your goals. No matter though what your goals are, no matter what, even if they're like, yeah, I have a goal, but I know I'm not going to do it. If there's something in your mind that you want to improve on in order to actually see that improvement, you are going to have to embrace tension. 
we don't like tension in our lives. Uh, we don't like things to be difficult. In fact, most of us like things to be easy. We want to eat whatever we want and have six pack of abs. We want to spend our money however we want and have a large savings account. We want both of these things. We don't like things to be difficult. That's why that commercial has become so popular with the easy button. We all want an easy button. We just want, give me the quick fix. Help me to fix this. But any time in your life where you have seen any amount of growth, it is because you have embraced some form of tension. If you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to write this down. We don't like tension, but progress cannot happen without some tension. We don't like tension, but progress cannot happen without some tension. If you want to see an improvement, you've got to embrace some tension, even if that's learning something new, even if that's trying something new, even that if that is, is adding something that was difficult for you at first. Anytime you grow in any area of your life, it's because you've embraced some form of tension. It, it's kind of like this rubber band. I don't know if Everyone can see that. If you're in the back, you might struggle to see that. But I brought a red rubber band, hopefully, so you could see it, right? Any area of your life that needs improvement is like this rubber band, right? This rubber band doesn't scare anyone in its current form. Like, if I wound up and threw this out into you, no one would flinch. No one would scream. No one would, like, say, like, don't do that. Like, like you would just say, yeah, that is so weak. But when you add tension to the rubber band... People start to get a little bit nervous. People start to flinch a little bit. People start to put their hands up. They get a little bit nervous. Why? Because the strength in the rubber band comes in the tension. And it's the exact same thing in your life. Without some form of tension, this is the results that you get. In order to get some progress, in order to get some progress, you are going to have to embrace some tension. In life, there are some problems that need to be solved. At the exact same time, some of our problems are not problems to solve. They are tensions to manage. And we get ourselves in trouble when we make a, a, a problem a tension or a tension a problem. Like, for example, work-life balance. That's something that a lot of people talk about. Work-life balance. And, and people are, 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 I constantly hear people talking about being burnt out and, and being forced to work too much. And this idea of work-life balance. Work-life balance is supposed to be a tension to manage. It's not a problem to solve. If you solve the problem and you get rid of work and you just have uh, at home, then you don't make any money and then your family struggles. If you just spend all your time at work and you don't spend time with your family, you may make money, but then your family struggles. It is a tension to be managed. And there are way too many people who are afraid to work hard and they're talking about burning out and you can't burn out when you haven't started anything. And there are also way too many people who spend so much time at work because they don't like their home life. And you are avoiding real life by working all of the time. And this is not the way that it's supposed to be. It is supposed to be a tension. That means that there are some seasons where work calls you away from your family. And there are some seasons where your family calls you away from Work. This is a tension. It's a constant balancing act. It's a constant, constant tension. Uh, there are so many things in Scripture that are tensions. And Christians get themselves in trouble when they just choose one of the things. When they just pick and choose and they say, I like this, but I don't like that. They lose the strength of God and the strength of Scripture. Like, for example, God is a God of judgment. You cannot escape the Bible and not read about and learn about that God is a judge. 
Now, when I say God is a judge, it is very similar to our court system where there is a judge. And if you break the law, you appear before the judge and the judge looks at the evidence and then makes a verdict and decides, you know, what what the punishment should be. Well, God is a perfect judge. And at the end of all of our lives, we stand before the judge. And when the evidence of our life is presented to the judge, none of us can stand before him innocent. None of us can. In fact, when God gives the judgment and says you are guilty, none of us are going to fight back and say, no, you're wrong. We're going to look at the evidence and say, yeah, you nailed it. I deserve whatever punishment you're going to give me. God is a God of judgment. At the exact same time, God is a God of mercy. And because God is a God of mercy, he sent his son Jesus to die on our behalf. So whoever believes in Jesus, when we die and stand before the judge, the judge does not see our sin, he sees his son. And he doesn't see our imperfections, he sees the perfection of his son. Jesus covers over our sin. And here's the problem. If you get rid of God's judgment, you miss out on how great Jesus is. If you get rid of the judgment, if you're just like, yeah, that seems mean, that seems cruel, I just want God to be this loving thing that just loves everybody, and I don't want judgment at all, you miss out on the reason why Jesus had to come. Jesus had to die for us because we deserve God's judgment. And you don't appreciate the mercy of God if you ignore the judgment of God. Here's here's, uh, another tension that is found through Scripture. There are lots of rules in the Scriptures. And there are some Christians who are hyper-focused on the rules. At the same time, there are some Christians who say, no, we're we're free. Because of Jesus, we're free. We don't have to follow the rules. And so what you've done when you just hyper-focus on the rules or you just hyper-focus on being free is you lose the tension. The way that it is supposed to work is that these two things are in tension with each other. Are there some rules that Christians should follow? Yes. Are we free to live the Christian life? Yes. It's not either or, it's both and, that this is a tension that we are to manage. There's an example in the New Testament of a group of, of, of God followers who did not follow this tension. They were called the Pharisees, and everyone thought that these were the people who loved God the most. They had dedicated their whole lives to loving God and to following all the rules. And Jesus looks at this group of people, and he says, you are whitewashed tombs. You follow all these man-made rules, but your hearts are far from me. So does God want us to follow some rules and obey him and do the things that scripture tells us to do? Yes. Does God want us to follow him without having our heart? No. It's a tension. This is a tension to manage. I see this lack of tension in a lot of churches. Um, A lot of churches wrestle with this question. Is the church for lost people or is the church for Christians, found people? And churches across America, especially, choose a side. So you will have churches who say, we are for the found. We are for Christians. And you'll have churches who say, we are for lost people. And I believe that whenever you do that, you lose what God has wired us to do. One of the most difficult things that we do as a church, I'm just going to pull open the curtain and let you see behind the scenes. One of the most difficult things that we do as a church staff is for our services, our public services like this, Every single week, we are balancing the tension of who the church is for. And we call this being spiritually bilingual. We are not a church just for lost people, and we're not a church just for found people. We are a church that wants to challenge Christians to grow in their faith and get serious about God. There is way too much apathy in church circles today. At the same time, we understand that there are unchurched people who come to church every single week. So we don't want them to be lost. 
We don't want them to, to, to not understand what's going on. So every service we go into it, we say, hey, this is a this is a tension. So there are some services where the Christians are like, yeah, that was a good one. And the lost people are like, yeah, I, don't, I don't really know about that one. And there are some services where the unchurched people are like, I love this church. This is the best church ever. And the Christians are like, ah, I don't really know about that one. It's a it's a tension. So why do we do things like the movie series that we do every year that I think both Christians and non-Christians like? Why do we do that? We do that series because that is a spiritual bilingual attempt. It's an attempt to use culture to reach out and say, look, the movies that you're already watching can point you back to God. And we do that to hopefully reach people who are far from God, that don't understand God, and point them back to the scriptures and show how relevant the scriptures are to them. But this is a tension to manage. And if the church just becomes focused on Christians, you lose attention. At the same time, if the church is just focused on lost people, you lose the tension. This is a tension to manage. Our scripture that I'm going to show you today is written by the Apostle Paul, and he shares something really profound. He actually asked God to remove something from his life, but God decides not to remove it. And the reason is, is because Paul needed some tension in his life. And I'm going to show you, and I think that if you apply what we hear from Paul today, I think it's going to help you find some life change in 2022. I think if we practice what Paul teaches, and if we apply what we learn today, it's going to help us get some tension. And whenever there's tension, we start to see results, and we start to see some strength. So at Next Level, we honor the text, and we do that by standing to our feet. I want to invite you to stand to your feet and read with me 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Uh, the reference is 2 Corinthians 12, 9. You'll see two dots between the 12 and the 9. We like to have a little bit of fun, and we just pump our fists and say dot, dot. I want to invite you to do the dot, dot with us. Will you read with me nice and loud? It says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. 2 Corinthians 12, dot, dot, 9. Now that we've read the text, let's go to God in prayer. God, we just ask that you would speak to our hearts today. We ask, God, that you would remove our own barriers, that you would remove our own insecurities, that you would speak through our own pride, through our own issues that we bring in here. And God, we ask that you would help all of us to learn from your word and to hear from you. And God, give us the courage to do whatever you tell us to do. God, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, you are my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. You may have a seat. So every relationship that you have will have some tension. If you think that there will ever be a perfect relationship where you'll just always get along, it does not exist. Every relationship has some tension. And sometimes we lose out on the benefit of that tension because we call off or break off the relationship too soon. We're going to see in Paul's letter there is some tension going on. Paul writes three letters to the church in Corinth. Now, we only have copies of two of the letters. This is really confusing, so everyone stick with me. We don't have a copy of the first letter that he sent to the church in Corinth. We have Paul's second copy, which we've called 1 Corinthians, and we have his third copy, which we call 2 Corinthians. But in your Bible, when you're reading 1 Corinthians, you need to know this is really 2 Corinthians. And when you read 2 Corinthians, you need to know this is really 3 Corinthians. The reason we know that is because Paul wrote a letter to the church that we don't have a copy of, and they get upset with him. 
Whatever he says to them, he challenges them. He tells them some things. They don't like it. And so they write back. They get message and word back to Paul. And they specifically challenge Paul by saying, who are you to tell us how to live our lives? And then they, they really challenge him by saying, you're not even an apostle. Now, an apostle is not a word that we use a lot. But in the early days of the church, the apostles were the leaders of the church movement. And you had to do some very specific things in order to be an apostle. One of those things that you had to do is you had to have a, a physical interaction with Jesus. And we know that Paul had that physical interaction because on his way to arrest some Christians, he has a vision of Jesus and Jesus appears to him. Well, the church in Corinth, there's some super apostles that they mention, and they compare Paul to the super apostles, and they say, hey, you're not like the super apostles. They're much better than you are. Now, let me just give you a little footnote here. We don't have a fat clue who these super apostles are. Paul wrote over half of the New Testament, so I can just tell you that Paul wins this debate, okay? Paul, Paul has way more influence than whoever these super apostles are, but they challenge Paul. And because they challenge his authority, he gets a little bit vulnerable with them. And he shares some things in his life. And he shares some reasons why he does something. And with that context, we're going to pick up in 2 Corinthians 12, 6 through 7. He says, even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. Or because of these surpassingly great revelations. So what is going on here? Let me explain. Paul is saying that he's had these amazing revelations from God. He has heard directly from God. But he doesn't boast about it because he wants to be a humble person. And he doesn't lead with, I'm the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. He doesn't walk in the room and demand that everyone show him respect and honor. He is a person who has humility, even though he has great confidence in who he is. Now, I think there's something to learn from, from this because I think this is a tension to manage. Have you ever met someone who lacked confidence and who was insecure? They need some confidence in their life. That insecurity is a sign that there isn't the right amount of tension. At the same time, have you ever met someone that was just prideful and just boasted and, and they just said things that were arrogant and it's like, oh, like, I don't like that at all? That is a sign of a lack of tension. If you are a Christian, you should be one of the most confident people around. Why? Because your identity is not in your ability. Your identity is not in what you can do. Your identity is in Jesus. And because your identity is in Jesus, you should be confident that he made you to do great things for a specific purpose. You don't have to be insecure in your own strength. You can rely on the strength of God. And Paul is teaching us that when we see ourselves as God sees us, we realize on our good days, we aren't as great as we think we are. And on our bad days, we aren't as pathetic as we think we are. When you have a relationship with God and you really understand who you are, you know that when you have success, you don't get prideful on it. Because if it were not for the grace of God, you would have failed a million times. At the same time, when you fail, you don't get insecure about it. Because you say, this failure is a chance for me to learn from you, God. It's a chance for me to embrace your grace. This failure is a chance for me to remember how much I desperately need you, God. So Christians should be the most confident people around, but we shouldn't be boastful. Christians should not be insecure, but we should be confident in who God has created us to be. Christians should be the most humbly confident people in the entire world. That's who we, we are. 
Because our identity is not in our strengths or in our abilities. Our identity is in Jesus. But the truth is, is that as humans, we tend to struggle with success and failure. When we fail, we beat ourselves up and we're so hard and we just live in this shame. And that's not living in the identity that Jesus has for us. At the same time, a lot of us can't handle success because when we get success, we start to become prideful and we start to boast. And that's not the identity that Jesus has for us. When we succeed, we should give credit to God. And when we fail, we should lean on God. So look at what Paul says next after he gives that claim. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. Therefore, in order to keep me from being conce- becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Okay, this is one of the many times that I wish that Paul was still around so he could answer some questions. Because Paul doesn't give us a lot of insight in what this thorn of the flesh is. He doesn't tell us exactly what it is, which has led many people to come up with some theories about what is this thorn in the flesh. Whatever the thorn in the flesh is, Paul says it was given to him to keep him humble, and he asked God to remove it three times. Now, some people have said that this thorn in the flesh is Paul's eyesight. And this theory comes from the fact that when Paul was on his way, before he became a Christian, Paul was on his way to persecute Christians, and he sees Jesus in this bright light, and the scriptures say that he becomes blind from the light. And for a little while afterwards, he is blind, and he has to have someone guide him around. And eventually his eyesight comes back, and it says something like shells falls off his eyes, and he can see. But some people think that Paul struggled with eyesight for the rest of his life as a reminder of that encounter with Jesus. I don't know if that's it or not. Some people think that Paul's uh, thorn in his flesh was his, uh, his size, that Paul was not an impressive person. He was little, like Danny DeVito. And because he was little and small, he, uh, when he would appear to people, they wouldn't take him serious because their culture wanted really big, masculine, you know, strong men. And Paul wrote like that. Paul writes like he, he's this great warrior. But when you see him in person, he's, he's kind of small. So some people think that the thorn in his flesh, the thing that kept him humble, is his physical appearance. And, you know, I can relate to that. I think that God made me bald because I'm so incredibly good looking. And if, why are you laughing? No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Just making sure you guys are still, still following. Some people, though, think that Paul's thorn in the side really was his timid personality. And the Corinthians actually, uh, uh, they, they, they comment on this, that they say that Paul, when you're with us, you're really timid. But when we read your letters, you're really confident. And why is there this, this difference? Some people think that Paul's thorn in his side was a specific person. And Paul calls out a specific person in his letter to the Corinthians, someone who opposes him. And so some people think it is literally a physical person. But Paul doesn't tell us the specifics of who or what the thorn in his side is. But look at what he says next in 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 9. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Three times Paul says, take this away from me, God. I can't handle this. I don't like this. I don't want this a part of my life. There are some things that we've asked God to take away, but maybe the reason that they are still in our life is because God wants us to manage attention. You ever thought about that? Maybe the reason that God has said no or God has said wait is because he wants some tension in your life. 
Because Paul shows us that with this tension, it causes him to lean into God. If this tension was removed, Paul says, I would become prideful. I wouldn't rely on God. There are certain things in our life that we don't like about ourselves. We don't like about our personalities. We don't like about our our characteristics. And we're like, God, why wouldn't you just fix this? Why don't you just change this? And maybe God's left that in so that you would rely on him. Like, for example, your personality. Your personality comes with all different types of quirks. And there's some really good things about your personality. And there are some bad things about your personality. Your personality, the thing that God has given you, it is a tension to manage. Like my personality, there are some things that I absolutely love. One of the things that I love about myself is that I'm a person who can see both sides of every coin. And I love that. I don't see the world as black and white. I see both sides of almost everything. And it helps me to become really good at helping people fix their problems. And when I meet, especially with married couples, I don't call what I do counseling. I I call what I do interpreting because I can hear both sides of the problem and I can help them hear the other person. So often the reason that we fight with someone is because we're not hearing what they're actually saying. And we don't hear what they say because most people lack the ability to see the other side, to see another perspective. And I see both sides of every single coin. And I absolutely love that about myself. But if you're taking notes, I would encourage you to write this down. A strength without tension becomes a liability. A strength without tension becomes a liability. I love that I can see both sides of every coin. But if I don't have a little bit of tension, if I just let that run rampant, there are areas in my life that become really, really unfocused and I end up avoiding things. Like, for example, when the whole pandemic hit and we, uh, the government said to close down church services, we went for a handful of weeks without meeting publicly. And then the governor was just really unclear And I don't know if you focus on this, but we spent a ton of time on on the website trying to figure out because churches were an afterthought. They never gave instructions to churches. And sometimes what they said was conflicting with the information that they'd given on the website. So we were constantly trying to figure out when can we come back in person? When can we actually bring people back? And so we had a, a meeting because it was a little bit unclear, but churches were starting to come back in our area. And so there was a meeting and there was four of us on staff who were discussing this. And two of us felt that it was time for our church to come back. And two of us felt that it was not time for our church to come back and that we should wait. Now, as a person who can hear both sides and and can see both sides of every coin, this throws me in a dilemma. Because I could see both sides of the argument. If we come back too soon and we are the church where everyone gets COVID and a bunch of people die and we have to shut down like church for good, I don't want to be on the news for that. I don't want to come back too early. And it's like, this church, look at these idiots. They came back way too early. I don't want that on my resume. At the same time, there were other churches who were meeting, and they were back, and they seemed to be doing good. And my fear was, okay, if we don't come back at some point, then maybe people are going to leave and go to other churches because they're like, hey, you guys are never going to reopen the doors. This is a tension. But this is what it does to my mind. When I can see both sides of the coin, I get a paralysis uh, or analysis paralysis. Like, I can't make a decision. And it's like, well, we just need to decide. Just pick one and we'll support you. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Because I can see both sides of every coin. And you have some similar things in your personality. Maybe you are a perfectionist. Did you know that God put that in you for a good reason? But without tension, it causes all sorts of dysfunction in your life. 
perfectionists are great because you're going to do everything with excellence and you're going to work hard and you're going to make sure that everything has a high standard of excellence. But perfectionists also have a very difficult time finishing things because in their mind they think it's never done. It's never perfect enough. This is a tension to manage and not a problem to solve. You don't want the perfectionism out of your life. You just want to balance it with some tension. There's some, some other examples. Some of you are people pleasers. And maybe you've been burned a lot by being a people pleaser. And so maybe you've cried out to God and said, God, would you just remove this? Would you just help me not care about what other people think? Have you ever thought that maybe God put that in you? And that God put that in you because he needs people to care about other people. Have you ever met someone that was not a people pleaser at all? They're horrible. You're like, I'm bleeding. And they're like, I don't care. (laughs) Yeah, but it really hurts. I don't care. Rub some dirt on it. Get over it. It's like, no, please help me. Like, being a people pleaser, caring about other people, that is a gift from God. But without a tension, you end up becoming burned, and you can't say no about anything. And without some tension, you end up putting your identity in whether or not other people like you, and you put more stock in other people than you do in the God of the universe. These things in our personality, these are tensions to manage. They are not problems to solve. Let's see what Paul says next. 2 Corinthians 12, 9-10. He says, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake... Can I just stop there for a second? I don't know if this is because I'm a pastor or because I went to a lot of Christian schools, but one of my favorite things in the whole world is when you can appropriately say inappropriate sayings. If you were just to say, for Christ's sake, I would say you're using God's name in vain. But this is an appropriate way to use for Christ's sake. And I'm here for it. I love it. For Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Did you catch what Paul just said? Paul says, I've got some weaknesses. And I want God to take them away, but God said no. And the reason is, is because in my weaknesses, it forces me to rely on God. What if some of the things you're asking God to remove are things that God has intentionally left in there because he wants you to be stronger? There are some things in your life that you don't like. And there are some things that you're like, God, just take this away. Would you just fix this? But maybe they're not problems to solve. Maybe they are tensions to manage. Paul literally asks God to do something, and God says, no, my grace. You're just going to have to rely on my grace. I would never wish infertility on anyone. I would never wish it on anyone. Anytime I meet a couple who has infertility, my heart goes out to them. Because my wife and I went through 10 years of praying and begging God. 10 years. 10 years is a long time. Like, 10 years is a really long time to go through something. And I don't wish that on anyone, but can I tell you, I'm so glad that I went through that 10 years. Because I don't ever take my kids for granted. And there's something about the way that I love my kids now that I couldn't have done if I didn't go through the struggle. I don't know if I went, if I didn't go through the struggle, I don't know if I would have appreciated my kids like I really do. But my kids are a gift from God. And there are certain things in your life that you're saying, God, just remove that. Would you just fix this? I don't like it. Would you just take it away? And God's like, no, you got to rely on my grace because in your weakness, I am strong. The weaknesses in your life are there so that you will rely on Jesus. 
Why do I worry so much? So you rely on Jesus. Why am I addicted to things? So you rely on Jesus. Why do I struggle relationally? So you rely on, on Jesus. When you are weak, Jesus is strong. These things in our life are not to be ignored. They are to be managed with tension. You don't ignore the, the bad parts of your personality. You acknowledge them and you say, this is a chance for God to shine. This is a chance for me to receive some tension. The progress in our lives starts when we learn to manage these tensions. And in closing, I just want to quickly give you three questions that you need to learn to ask in regards to tension. These are questions that I would encourage you to write down or take a picture of the screen once all three of them are up because these are questions you should ask on an ongoing basis. And I am convinced that if you start to ask these questions, it's going to help you see some change in 2022. Here are the questions. Is this a problem to fix or attention to manage? Is this a problem to fix or attention to manage? Is this thing in my life something that I need to really fix. If it is, let's get honest with it. Let's fix it. Or is this a tension that I'm never going to get rid of and I just need to balance it out? This is a big question to ask. Here's a second one. Am I trying to remove a tension God wants me to keep? Am I trying to remove a tension God wants me to keep? Next week, we're going to talk about something in relationships that is a tension. And let me just give you a little sneak peek. There are some of you that have been stuck where you're at because you've removed people from your life that God put in that were difficult people. And the reason that God put them there is because he wants to refine your life. And so before you remove someone, before you leave something and say, I'm just done with it, you need to ask God, God, is this attention you want me to keep? I don't like this. I don't enjoy it. But God, before I leave and then miss out on the tension, the gift of tension, let me just ask, God, is this a thorn in my side that you want to stay? Here's a third question. What tension have I been avoiding? What tension have I been avoiding? Um, I can just be vulnerable and tell you that the tension that I avoid every single year is uh, counting calories and sticking with a diet. I don't like it. And my thought in 2021 was that I could out-exercise a bad diet. And I thought if I just exercise really, really hard, I'll be able to make improvements. But the truth is, it's a tension to manage. And so you got to get honest with yourself. And this stinks. It stinks to get honest with yourself and say, yeah, you know what, my financial problems, my financial problems are because of me, not because of anyone else. My relational issues are because of the selfish things in my life. My problems, it's because of things that I've been ignoring. What are some tensions that you've been avoiding? And then what will help you progress those tensions? Some of us are waiting for things to change, and the truth is that some things may never change. Why? Because some things are tensions to manage, and they're not problems to solve. We don't like tension, but progress cannot happen without some tension. We don't like it. Paul didn't like it. Paul wasn't like, God, thanks for the thorn in the side. I love it. it. Makes me look so much better. Appreciate it, God. No, Paul said, God, remove the thorn in my side. Take it away. But God said back to him, no, my grace is sufficient for you. 
because in your weakness, Jesus will be strong. So you don't like tension, but you need to understand any area that you're stuck, it's because you've resisted the tension. Will you pray with me? God, we just ask in Jesus' name that you would help us in 2022 to embrace some tension, some healthy tensions, God. We ask God right now that you'd be speaking to our hearts and you'd help us to see some of these thorns in our sides that we've tried to remove, these things that we've ignored, these things that we've tried to push away, God. They are there for us to rely on you. So I ask right now in Jesus' name that you would be speaking to hearts and speaking to minds about what tensions they need to manage. And God, I just ask that you would help us to see progress this year because you are so good. And in our weaknesses, you are so strong. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. If you would like to hear more, please visit our website at nextlevelchurch.net. You can also follow us on social media at nextlevel757. Join us next time.